0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you once again by you for supporting those local businesses and brands that you believe in. Some things that you can do free of charge without buying any other product to help them out is tag them in social media posts. If you like one of their posts, screenshot it and repost it on your site and tag them in it. Engage with them on their social media. Anything that you can do to get them more followers and uplift them in this time of need, the better. So let's all do that and get through this together. Speaking of local, this podcast is also brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And if you are in the market for a home, look no further than Laura Lee. If you have any questions, maybe I should buy, maybe I should sell. I don't know. This is crazy. What's going on? Well, guess what? Laura Lee will be glad to answer those questions free of charge. And you won't regret using her as your realtor. Trust us. We did the same thing and we could not be happier with the home that she found us. So, her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. My guest today on the podcast is Mr. Dave Stevens. He has Emmys, he's worked for ESPN, he's talked to the who's who in the sports world, you name it. But overall, he's a really cool guy with a great inspirational story, and I ran into him volunteering at a nubability camp that Sam Coonert puts on and He gave a speech to the kids that really impacted me, and I think I may have taken more away from that camp than any of the kids ever did. So please, I'll let Dave tell his inspirational story on this episode with Mr. Dave Stevens. All right, there we go. Welcome, Dave. You got the cool graphic that I don't have in in the corner of your screen that says Dave Stevenson Speaks. Dave Stevens Speaks.
1: It's, uh, it's nice what you can do with a little bit of tape and stuff. And, uh, you know, with this new Zoom process, you can put all kinds of cool goofy backgrounds and stuff like that. And if you've got products that you're promoting and stuff like that, it's just uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, I've seen people with some cool green screens making it look like they're on like big famous shows and stuff or like at the beach or whatever. So that's kind of like all that stuff is beyond my tech knowledge. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to
1: do. I can even walk you through it a little bit. It's pretty one uh, when, when we're done. It's And you can do some cool stuff with your guests and it impresses them. So
0: nice. Well, uh, I don't want to I didn't want to waste anything. We were talking beforehand. And something I did not know about you is the seven Emmys.
1: Yeah, uh, I was lucky to work at ESPN and uh, work on, you know, uh, Sunday NFL Countdown and Sports Center and Baseball Tonight and with Chris Berman and all those guys, and I worked real close with them on Sunday NFL Countdown. A lot of war rooms, a lot of NFL draft innovations that I was a part of and came up with a lot of ideas that they take for granted now, so I'm very proud, you know, an Emmy that you get is... uh, it's it's pretty special it's not like that you know they don't give them to a charity case or somebody because they have a disability it's it's like i earned that because of my ability not my disability and it means so much to me that that i've got these kind of uh, statues that mean so much in this business
0: yeah it's crazy so how did you get into all of this and like kind of take back to the beginning of like how this all began
1: well i mean You know, I I grew up in Arizona in Wickenburg, uh, uh, born without legs. Uh, I was put up for adoption. Uh, My family was really poor, and I decided that I wasn't going to sit around and feel sorry for myself, so I started playing sports. And as I started playing sports and getting successes, there were TV shows that would come do stories. I was on some ABC show called That's Incredible back in the day, and um, it helped, you know, ignite my career, which led to uh, a TV job in Minnesota and a scholarship to go to Augsburg College where I played college football. I'm the only guy without legs ever to do that. And then I ended up playing minor league baseball in Minnesota. Teammates with Daryl Strawberry and Jack Morris and uh, the only legless guy ever to play minor league baseball. Uh, I had a tryout with the Dallas Cowboys. Ended up uh, going to ESPN uh, to work in 1995. Worked there for 20 years and uh, I got laid off in the summer of 2015 when they laid off like 500 employees and you know had to reinvent myself went through some more tough times but now I'm a, a motivational speaker and a, uh, I work for uh, uh Nubability as a as a board Uh, member now with uh, Sam Coonert and what he's doing is just some great things you've witnessed firsthand. And and I get to work for the Disability Channel and do a lot of TV stuff still and interviews and interview famous people and stars and celebrities and stuff like that. And now I'm doing my own webcast and kind of, you know, doing my own thing where I'm hosting these guys. So I've come full circle. I'm enjoying it, especially during uh, this pandemic and the troubling times, just trying to keep people entertained you know show them that you know despite my uh you know shortcomings that uh, i have a good attitude a positive attitude and try to be a role model for people to see that hey if he doesn't have legs and it's not getting him down then you know what are my problems
0: and and that's one of the things i took away from volunteering from sam's camp was uh just the the way one you don't treat anybody any different in that camp you're like no you like you're an athlete we're going to train like an athlete we're going to be think like an athlete but also like, I mean, your expectations of them are, are the same. And then the positivity that comes out, like nobody ever looks, not none of the coaches, none of the kid, the kids, especially like they've lived with it their whole lives and they don't look at it like they're, they've got anything that's holding them back.
1: Right. And that's the best part about Sam's camps is because Nobody's staring at them because we're all the same. You know, we talk about what is your normal. Well, my normal is I was born without legs. Your normal might be something that you've had to deal with in your life that may not show on the outside, but you are dealing with on the inside. And we always get caught up in labeling people handicapped or disabled. You know, a car is disabled, that's a bad thing. And I never wanted to be thought of as being disabled. So I love Sam's term as being limb different. Um, But I think we always try to lump people into those, you know, you know, if you're handicapped or disabled, those terms they use, you know, that means you're blind, you're deaf, uh, you may have a mental deficiency, you may have Down syndrome, like, that's not fair to all those people. If you're Hispanic, you're Hispanic. If you're white, you're white. If you're black, you're black. That's who you are. Yet they try to just throw us in this big melting mishmash pot. And so I've always tried to just show people and go out there and say, look, Look at what I can do despite the odds on in spite of not having legs and just kind of let my actions be my words. But to your point, those kids – they all look at each other and go, hey, nobody's going to stare at us. And they can just go out there and you see their spirit and you see what these kids are like. And 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 you know that they have to work so much harder to try to be seen as that normal, you know, of the other athletes that are out there with one arm, you know, with two arms or two legs, you know. And that's why the beauty and nubability really is, is going to change a lot of lives.
0: On well, the like the overall talent, like I watched a kid with one hand field a ball from third base, and he's, I think he was like 11 or 12 or something. He fielded the ball, took it off, threw to first faster than I could have done it. And I'm like, that was, it blew my mind. I'm like, the talent that you have, not just to do that, but it was just impressive because I'm like, you worked hard at it, but not only did you work hard at it, you're like really good.
1: Yeah, and and that's why it's great that, You know, there are role models out there like Jim Abbott, the pitcher who was born with one arm, who got to that next level. And now we've got, you know, Shaquem Griffin with the Seattle Seahawks. And people don't even notice that he's playing with his brother missing an arm and got drafted. And that's why these kids, there can be more of those if they just get those opportunities out there where people can not, you know, put them down and think, well, you can't do this, you can't do this. It's like I've always worked so hard in my life to find the ways to do it. I've tried and I've failed and I've failed a lot, but those successes really outweigh the failures, and I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't have worked my butt off super hard in right field chasing down fly balls and learning how to tackle people and all the things because there was no book for dummies how to play sports without legs for dummies they're just it didn't exist so you just kind of make it up on the fly and that's why what Sam has with nubability there is a groundwork. there are coaches who have been there and look like them and talk like them and go through the same you know trials and tribulations that we as limb different athletes go through that you leggies don't go through uh, (laughs) and the successes you know that uh are are insurmountable yet when you get to that plateau there's no feeling like it
0: did you like i've seen you if anybody hasn't seen him go to his instagram page because he's interviewed just about every sports athlete that you can possibly name off the top of your head it seems like but did you have any sort of issues having no legs getting into that position where you were um interviewing people
1: well it's been uh it's been an interesting transition to go from behind the scenes for so long, which I wanted to be on camera when I was young, but I kind of got deterred at ESPN working on SportsCenter and all the shows behind the scenes, and I knew I sort of had this talent and a really good ability to ask questions and get people to open up, and I've always been that way because I don't know if it was the uneasiness or the easiness of being around a guy either on crutches and artificial legs in my young career when I was interviewing Kirby Puckett and Ken Griffey Jr. and Michael Jordan and all these guys in the past, and then now where it's full circle where I'm, I'm around Gronk and J.B. Smoove and You know, all these famous athletes that I'm seeing at NFL games and NBA games and stuff like that. And I think nobody's ever done this before. And, you know, nobody sees much of what the Disability Channel has. It's been a great outlet to promote me and help me. Um, But, uh, you know, I just pinch myself that I get to get access to where a lot of people don't and get to get interviews with guys that don't do one-on-ones, but yet they'll do it for me. And you know what? I get it. They're probably doing it because I don't have legs. But you know what? When you're looking at the guys from those major markets and they're like, you know, why did he give, you know, why did Aaron Rodgers give him a one-on-one and he didn't give everybody else a one-on-one? And it's just like, well, because I ask him about you know, did he like Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? It wasn't about his, you know, battle with Tom Brady. He thought that was funny and he liked it. And, you know, you get a rapport with these guys if you're not constantly berating them about the obvious and just get them to open up about different fun things that it's not constantly the beat down that you get from ESPN.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoy that so much better. In fact, I stopped watching ESPN to be all honest with you because it's so much of a show. Um, I'm there, like, they're all human beings. Everybody's going to make mistakes. They're going to do things in their personal life, whatever. It, it really, I just wanted to like, I'm entertained by the game. I don't need to know everything doesn't have to be drama either. Like every interception is not drama. Every missed field goal is not drama. Like they're athletes and things happen on the field and we know that. So it gets kind of annoying when you hear it so much. So it's refreshing to hear somebody like you come in there and ask, like talk to them like they're human beings.
1: Yeah, and and it's a great point to your point because uh, I just did an interview a couple weeks ago with Daryl Strawberry, and he opened up about everything possible, and we both thought nobody's talking about the good he's doing. All they do is talk about the bad, the failures, going to jail. He and Doc forever connected by that downward spiral, <laughs> you know. Really? Talked about that, but he also said that it's a great point. ESPN doesn't follow up with the good. You know, he's a minister now. He's got a church. He travels around. He speaks before tens of thousands of people and say what you want to about religion he's a success story he had a great rehab facility in tampa bay that nobody knows about that is changing lives there are three facilities that he started because he went through those things so to your point they don't always talk about the good they look for the failures it's like we don't want those success stories we, we want to take you know they want tim tebow to fail they want to rip him and find the worst dirt on him it's like when tiger fails and michael Jordan and fails and all these guys it's almost like yeah that brings them down a peg and it's just like we don't always need that negativity we need that positivity great stories like Sam Cooner should be a huge story you know
0: I agree I agree this whole like whatever you want to call this pandemic if you want to call it whatever it is this whole thing is kind of like open my eyes to that that it sensationalizes the bad all the time that's all they ever report on they never report on any of the good And it's the same in sports as everything is like, seems like it sells tickets to set, to say negative things to never follow up with a good, because I never knew that Daryl Strawberry had all that stuff until you just said it right now.
1: That's the problem. And and, uh, it's, it's also a reflection of our society because I'm constantly putting content out there as, as somebody who's supposed to be an influencer and a motivational speaker, I've got to put good. I try to put out funny and I put out content, either daily or every other day of something that's unique or, or a struggle or something that I've overcome or an interview or something like that. And you post it and you get like two or 300 likes and then somebody will make a comment about the president or show a video of something that's, you know, and it's millions and millions and it's shared and it's just like, man, what what am I doing wrong? If I'm thinking, Hey, people might want to watch a guy without legs, you know how he lifts water in and out of a car and works in his daily life. But no, they'd rather see a guy get hit in the nuts with a baseball or, you know, something crazy on YouTube. You know, that's, that's just the society we live in now, you know?
0: That's so very true. And your videos are awesome. Like uh, I, I really, and to tell you the truth, I really enjoyed the one where you showed how you like what it's like going down. I think you were at um, whatever the football stadiums in Philadelphia is called. Yeah. Yeah. And you went down the steps and you showed like putting the trash bag on and then what it's like trying to get over, like to get people's attention over the railing. Like the whole process for you is like how you make it happen, which is impressive and it's inspiring. It's, it's not, it's an uplifting video to be like, oh man, if this guy's doing this, I can definitely do this, man. Like I I can make it happen. And uh, to, to your point, like how that doesn't get more attention, I have no idea it's
1: funny you see the reactions of you know here's this dude on the field sitting there with no legs on the ground and you just don't see that and if i'm dressed nice and you know i'm wearing my untucket clothes or whatever um it, it, it's one of those things where people then video that and they send it out and i see clips and drips and drabs and uh you know i i thought it would be a much bigger deal and uh but i also like the anonymity where i can still you know get up to these guys and talk to them, although. We don't know going forward what our access ever will be to locker rooms and players and things going forward. So if my run is over, it's been a great run. And uh, now that we have this ability to do Zoom and things like that, uh, you know, you just never know what lies ahead. But uh, I I enjoy it, and and I kind of enjoy, you know, turning people's heads because they've never seen a guy in my situation doing television and interviews and things like that. And, you know, I don't know if I'm a pioneer, but I don't think there's been a lot of guys who've done what I've done, you know, or try to do, uh, you know, despite the obvious.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, despite the obvious is very good, but I don't think that, I don't think that you're going to have, an issue. I think this could open up more doors is what I'm trying to say. My brain was working a little faster than what I was trying to talk right there. Like you said so many things. I was like, Oh, that's good point. Good point. Good point. But like, I don't think that this time is going, I think it may actually accelerate it with the zoom and your contacts and the friends you make, you might be able to do more interviews, just maybe not in person, you know, and that sort of thing. It may just be one-on-ones, but people are going to give their access away. I don't want to say more freely, freely to the people that they trust.
1: And that's a, that's a great point because they know, you know, yeah, some of my my questions are softballs. But uh, if they start to build that trust, you know, my style is a lot like Howard Stern, as, as silly as you might think that is, because Howard is not the same Howard of the, you know, penis jokes and booby jokes and all those things, although there's still some. He's evolved, and it's just a point that we do all evolve. And these these interviews that he does, he brings out things in people that, lady gaga i never had heard of much that i wanted to hear and i heard an interview and i fell in love with who she was as a person and he gets the best out of people by just being honest and then open up and so that's my approach to it i don't have to tear you down i didn't have to talk to daryl about his past as far as what happened with his ex wives and the substance abuse, but he ended up going there. I was with Malik Yoba a couple of weeks ago, uh, an actor who 's in cool runnings and a friend of mine who 's been in a lot of TV shows and he had an issue with uh, somebody calling him out over a transgender statement and i didn 't bring it up, but i said you 've had a tough struggle this year and he went there and he went there and he so it 's like it 's not like you 're ambushing them if they 're comfortable talking about it. And they want to have it from their perspective you just have to figure out the way to get them and you can kind of guide them and if you know ahead of time and do your homework like you do you can kind of say i think i can get them to go this way if i just you know do it the right way and i i try to take that approach uh for every time i've done an interview or done a research problem or attacked the things that i needed to do when i was at espn there's there's good approaches the uh, uh a classy way that builds you a reputation. So now I'm, I've been away from ESPN for five years, but I still have contacts where I can walk into any NFL, MLB, NFL, you know, all these stadiums, Super Bowls. I still get credentials on, and accredited because I have that respect as a journalist. And I know that I'm not going to abuse that.
0: And that's so important. I love like the honesty, but also I think, I mean, I don't know how much homework that I do. I, I love doing what I do. So it doesn't always feel like I'm doing any sort of work. It just feels like, Oh, this guy'd be fun to talk to. What can I talk to him about? You know, type of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just get into making sure they're, you know, seeing what they've done and all that. So you can call it homework research. Um, but really I just have an inquisitive mind and I like to meet people and I'm also vulnerable myself. And that's why I relate with stories all the time, because um, I think that that's some of the most important stuff to make a connection with somebody and having a genuine conversation is to be vulnerable yourself to them and let your guard down just a bit so that they can let their guard down.
1: Yeah. And that's been weird that to tape these and suddenly you're 52 minutes into it, you know, I'm supposed to do Drew Bledsoe uh, this week. And suddenly they're opening up and they're talking about this. And and it's just, it's been awesome to, be a part of, you know, a conversation and not just, you know, just the standard, Hey, do you think you can win? And let's talk about your past and money, money, money. And, wow. uh, you know, I, i Chris long went there with all kinds of things. I didn't plan to go there the other day. So, uh, you know, you never know, if, you're, if you if you do pay attention to the, you know you have to listen to the answers because then as you said things other are the, the their wheels are turning you may have an agenda on this page but you might find out something in someone's life and go whoa wait a second i got to go there and i'm going to go there that way and we'll get back to the other stuff or maybe this is a better way to go
0: yeah and you just do it on the fly and i'm sure with all your experience like you've gotten pretty good at recognizing that i still work on it all the time like i listen to my stuff and go oh man, I could have been a little bit better right there. Like right at that moment, that's more of a question that I would have asked. And I look at it from that angle, like, okay, prepare yourself mentally for in conversation. So then I find myself practicing it in everyday conversation, and it's made my life outside this thing so much better.
1: Well, just I I still have my notes from this weekend's show with uh, Chris. And, and we didn't get to half the stuff because he wanted to talk about how the new players, young players, were selfish and he didn't agree with this new deal and it was bad. And he went as a player, then suddenly I have this perspective and Chris, you know, didn't hold back on what he thought about that and he talked about where uh, he stood on. He could have played a couple more years, but, you know, they weren't going to pay him what they thought he was worth and it wasn't going to be worth the struggle. So, yeah, yeah. If you if you just i didn't get to half the stuff but he you he opened up just like you've getting people to talk about different things and um you know if if it's scripted it's not real anyway you know that's the thing it's not six this isn't 60 minutes it's just two guys aaron and dave having a conversation about somebody's unique life and somebody's unique perspective and maybe people can take away a little bit today from this that hey i didn't realize a guy could do this or Maybe I don't look at people the same way in the future or, uh, man, I got to go look at videos of Dave because I don't believe this in the first place. (laughs) Well,
0: you can believe it. Your business card even has you in a, well, the thing I got from you at the nubability deal had a, had you in a Tampa Bay Ray thing, I think. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been so lucky in, in my older advancing years that, Joe Madden, a former manager of the Rays, and then he won a World Series with the Cubs and now he's with the Angels. He took a liking to me, so I'd go down to spring training and sit in the dugout and work out with these guys, and, I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking a lineup card out there, and here's Big Poppy, and here's the Red Sox, and, you know, I'd come down during the regular season and work out with the guys, take batting practice, you know, and here I am with Derek Jeter and the Yankees and, you know, all these other guys, and, and just, you know, they... they gather around the batting cages and watch me hitting when I'd be, I wish I was watching them hitting and just the relationships and the friendships that you get again, that people are, have never seen a guy without legs. The power of, of that, uh, has really, I pinched myself where it's taken me around the world, you know, to Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, and all these, you know, I, I was in the same outfield with Barry Bonds when I tried out for the Olympic baseball team. I mean, I have all these Forrest Gump-type stories. You know, I say Forrest Gimp instead of Forrest Gump because people wouldn't believe, you know. I was on That's Incredible, and the video's on, on, on YouTube. I was on That's Incredible when I was 15 years old, and there's a four-year-old golfer in the green room, just this punk little kid, kind of just pompous and had an arrogance about him. That kid was Tiger Woods, you know. So I was on the show with Tiger Woods, and he became this, you know, living golf legend. So you, I've had all these bizarre parallel crosses of my life. You know, I've pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry. Not many guys with legs can say they did that. So uh, I, I'm so blessed. And, I'm, you know, as long as I've had the ro- two, two rotator cuffs on the right shoulder, one on the left, and I'm still trying to play sports at my age. But, you know, I, I just I can't grow up. I can't walk away because it's gotten me so far
0: who like where did this positivity come from because it really is infectious um just being around you like that's the first thing i remember from the camp is just like how infectious you were like man this guy's like he's high energy he's so positive he's energetic like and then you see you watch your your little your youtube channel your instagram you follow you you're like man this guy's so positive and trying to get such a good message out there and like i, I you were adopted first like Mm -hmm. That's traumatic for some people. Then you have no legs on top of it. So that's traumatic for some people. So do you ever have like these self-doubt moments or were you always just this positive, like, no, I can do it?
1: Well, I mean, I had two adoptive parents that really didn't hold me back that loved me. And, um, you know, their motto was let me fail. And so they didn't, you know, sugarcoat things. And, you know, I, I never really realized I was different because they treated me so much like I was just everybody else. And I had the artificial legs and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, as I progressed, I don't know. I've never sat around and felt sorry for myself. I've had my low points. You know, when my when I left for college uh, in 1984, my mom died the day I left for college. And so I kept going to Minnesota, but uh, I dropped out. I turned to drugs for a while. You know, had a really low period of time there, so... Yeah, on the outside, I, I I always try to portray, you know, a sense of, of of, conviction and positivity, but, you know, I've had my low points, you know, losing my job at ESPN, taking a job at a TV station, driving 90 miles a day. Some, in 2016, I was sleeping in my car sometimes because I couldn't afford the gas to come back because Trump and Hillary were making an appearance in Westchester, and they needed me back. So... Um, I look back and I I count my blessings and and what I tell people is yeah I've I've had the highs and the lows and the lows are bad but it's always going to get better no matter how low you are in the worst possible scenarios be it a death be it a low blow a job losing a job a loved one it's going to get better it just takes time and I hope that people can understand you know despite you know what I've gone through in my life I'm not perfect. I'm just a guy. I don't look at myself as a hero or anything special. I'm just a guy that used sports as a platform to, to take him around the world where nobody ever dreamed a guy like me could ever get.
0: Which is uh, man. It's one thing I love about this podcast. I get to hear stories like that with people all the time, like sticking with a little kid's hobby that you don't like skateboarding, rollerblading, bike riding, dirt bike, whatever it is. And then, they make something out of it, whether it's videography, whether it's going pro in it, whether it's building a company that sells the products, whatever it is, they end up going to a professional state one way or the other inside that realm, mm-hmm. sticking with their little hobbies, which I love that. Like you were saying you were sleeping in your car in 2016, but you're still doing the same thing now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a passion and, and I love it. And if, if it's over soon, we can do stuff like this. So I don't have to quit doing what I'm doing. I've got great contacts, and I get to meet great people like you, Aaron. And, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, it's a different world, and we will probably do things differently. And as I continue to build a reputation and, and like you said, of, of you know, being fair to people, this could turn in, who knows what could this could turn into. And if not, man, I've had a great ride. And if I can get back to talking at schools and talking to kids and, you know, that may change too. I mean, my speaking career, I've had everything wiped out for 2020. I've lost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, but uh, I'm not sad. I'm not upset because I have my health. I have my three boys and my girlfriend and everything is, uh, everything's good. Um, I I can't complain. Um, I can only just kind of hopefully wait this out and give some people something to to see differently than crappy news and politics and, you know, a world that's in disarray. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still kind of living my life the way I have to live it. I can't change the way I do things. So I'll still be out there doing this stuff.
0: So what do you normally speak, like, in your public speaking gigs, what do you normally, like, is it schools normally or is it just a wide variety? And what kind of people call you in to speak about certain uh, subjects?
1: It's everything, and and it really did. I mean, it took a lot of work and a lot of French and and a lot of things. But this year was starting to be the year. You know, I had booked GoDaddy. I had been at, at, all. I'd been into seven or eight different states just by March, traveling and speaking and speaking at schools or grade schools or colleges. And you know, each message is different depending on who it is. I try to customize a little bit to, either the age group or the group that I'm speaking to if it's a business and some of them want something that their core values I I implement that but it's just kind of a bit of a journey of my life that I have all the video to back it up I've got the videos of me playing wrestling and baseball and trying out for the twins and you know college football sacking a quarterback and all these things that people can't perceive when you say he doesn't have legs how did he hit how did he run i'm like let's go to the video and we can show everybody uh you know that it did actually happen and i'm not just some old fart making up stories and going senile you know but uh i talk about my life and and what i you know how i overcame them and just try to help people learn to apply it or think differently um sometimes it's from the perspective of parents with a child with a disability and they don't think of things Or sometimes it's from me as a parent who has a disability trying to instruct, you know, because my challenges as a parent without leg was different than most, Um, but I had three kids that I had to deal with. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that I can appeal to. You know sports information high schools colleges uh, it 's great because i 've been there. I can talk about what it was like to be one of the first employees at ESPN perceived with a, with a handicap and dealing with that and having people accept me for me and not be you know hands off ish and and then becoming a manager and a boss and ascending up that food chain to you know in a corporation where again you don 't see people who look like me in those positions when they talk about minorities. I'm like the biggest minority that there ever is out there. So I don't lie. Sometimes I'm like minority, man, you can't get much better than a, a, a legless dude. You know, unless I was a L- LGBT uh, legless guy with, yeah. <laughs> it might get me a, a, a reality TV show or something, you know, I don't know. If you can pull that off,
0: man, it might be your big ticket. <laughs>
1: You know, they got the little people show. They got, uh, you know, people are married at first sight. Like, you know, it should just be me and my boys and call it three and a half men and just kind of our exploits and stuff of, you know, all these different things that we do. You know, I uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so much bad TV out there. I could just add to it. I know that.
0: Dude, I tried watching that 90-day fiancé show Uh, because everybody's just raving about how, like, it's bad, but it's, like, one of those bads you can watch. I couldn't finish it. It's so terrible. Like, I can't even do it. I, I can name you names, and I can t- –
1: like, I, it's such a guilty pleasure. At some point, I just – I'm just uh, – you look at them, and you feel better by yourself, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's entertaining. Uh, some of the shows – that we see we you know we're not going to have new shows we're not going to have new movies uh it's going to change you know And i think this is a great opportunity for you aaron you know to continue to try to get people and if there's things i can do to help you or you know hook you up with some people or anything like that uh i'll be happy to return the favor for you uh just so you know you can get your name out there and continue doing the good things that you're doing
0: Wow, man, that's awesome. I don't even, I I'm horrible at taking things like that compliments and stuff like that, like verbally expressing it. Just know that's like that means a lot. That's really awesome, Dave. Thank you.
1: There's that button, you could have probably just shut me off there.
0: Oh. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the the one thing like your sense of humor is hilarious too When that when i you were talking to the kids out there when i saw you they were asking like i want to know how you lost your legs how you lost your legs and you had these socks on them and then you pulled them off and told them this like (laughs) this really i was into the story at first and then i was like oh my gosh he got me he suckered me in
1: (laughs) but it's true like i i think that would make a great children's book uh what people aren't understanding um, is, is that I have four toes on one little flipper and two toes on the other. And when I was a kid, it was such a weird thing to try to describe. And, and so I just made up a backstory. You know, I'm not a genius, and by any means, but I created this backstory of Mama was the big toe, and she had three little boys, and the husband left, and she had two kids that moved away and went to college and became doctors, and that's Joe and Joe, and let me see if I can, oh, I don't know if I can do this, but there's JoJo right there, that's the two. (laughs) So... So, you know, I just had this backstory and it kind of made something so weird, so normal because then, no, this is mom and the baby toes. It's not these freak appendages. And so my friends just started to talk about it and make you know hey how's mama how's jojo and then i went to you know high school reunions and we were sitting there at the table a year ago and what i just put up there a friend of mine's like hey yeah dave was on the football team and he's got this thing jojo and he's like hey honey do you want to see jojo and he he pulls up my pant leg and she thinks she's about to see what she thinks she's seeing but it was my toes it wasn't the male body part that she thought she was about to see and the guys were just rolling because they knew they knew what they thought she saw but she didn't see it it was one of those so they because because she wasn't prepared for it so my friends have always had a good sense of humor you know they used to take my artificial legs and put them in the top of the rafters and do all kinds of crazy things that now would be thought of as bullying you know, but I looked almost as it is acceptance, tolerance, because I did things back to them. Um, nowadays, they might get suspended or, you know, people wouldn't put up with those kind of things. Different era. But uh, I could give it and take it. And that's one of those things I think I would earn that respect of people, you know, I I I, I say I've been pissed off and I've been pissed on because – when my first uh, one of my first practices in high school, I was in the shower and I'm doing this, and we only had one temperature in Wickenburg and it was cold water. And there was a football player who was showering next to me, and his name was Bifo Sanders. That was his name, Bifo Sanders. And he's standing there, and I'm doing my thing because I'm sitting on the ground and, and it's getting warm. And I'm like, what? We don't have warm water. And everybody's laughing and laughing. And I turn around and here's Bifo, and he's urinating on my head, right? So immediately without thinking, I just turned and I just went wham and I hit him right there and I dropped him right from where the urine was coming. And so Beefo falls over on the floor and he's rolling around, rolling around. And this old crotchety football coach, just like your typical shop teacher missing three fingers, but a legendary football coach comes out and he goes, What the hell's going on? And they're like, Beefo pissed on Stevens' head. What did Stevens do? He punched him in the nuts. And with his little fingers, he went like, justice served. And he turned and he walked back in the locker room. And nobody ever did anything like that ever again. So, again, what would happen in this day and age would probably be expulsion and all kinds of, you know, parent groups and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we joke about that story, BFO and I to this day, and you know, um, just the innocence of youth. But, uh, again, I had those battles. Was it? bullying was it whatever it was just it was my journey you know that was just my journey
0: uh, i mean i'm that's a it would be looked at bad and frowned upon i'm cracking up at it i'm cracking up at they putting your legs in the thing because i mean really that's like you're part of their club they would do that to any one of their friends as a funny you know if you're really getting pissed off you're really hurt your feelings really hurt then that's a different story but like Normally, like that's what you do. You have fun with people. You joke around. Athletics taught me that at a young age. Like there is no hiding from it. The guys, you you know, you you learn to lose your ego and some things, and because if you don't, you just get laughed at even more. Um, yeah. and and that's cool that they treated you. That you had friends in high school that would treat you just like they would treat anybody else.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. It was one of those things where you didn't have the elephant in the room after a while, you know, and so the town became very protective of me and, you know, fans and stuff, buses would go to come see me. Like, it was just like, this almost like this traveling freak show in a way because word got out that, you know, we didn't have the Internet in those days, but word got out of this legendary guy, a high school football player with no legs or a wrestler. Like, they would – I'd be in a tournament, and I don't know if you've been to a wrestling tournament with the six mats going on out there. They would stop the other five matches so everybody could watch me if I was in the championship. So not only the pressure – of, of you know, a match, but they stop it because everybody wants to see the legless guy. And so it's like, if you lose, oh, the poor guy, he shouldn't have won anyway. But if you win, and that's why I really always, you know, really felt that pressure, but I loved being in the spotlight. Like, I tried to turn that around to my advantage, knowing all eyes are on me, so let me give them a show. If they're going to stare, let me give them a hell of a show.
0: Well, that, that's like a perfect segue into what we were talking about that I really, like wanted to bring you on the show because one of the most impactful like speeches that you, that I've heard and you were just talking with the kids there at the camp, but um, it was that same thing that all eyes are on you. So you have to be better. Like they're going to be looking at your disability. They're going to stare like the old lady's going to walk by and she's going to follow you backwards like that. It was something to that nature, but the the meaning of it is what stuck with me. And that is you've got to be better. You have to be better and you can be better. Like, the possibilities are all there. And so I just wanted to, like, pick your brain on that speech right there that you give those kids.
1: Well, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that because trying to be an athlete and not have legs, it's already – I'm already well behind what anybody should do with, you know, two legs. So to get to that level where I could hit a ball and throw a ball and shoot a bat basketball and play hockey. It developed on a junior high school field playing flag football where not a lot of eyes on, you know, but I could develop and as it became that I wasn't picked last. And that meant so much more not to be the last, you know, the the last plump kid that nobody wanted to pick or the kid that was dirty or picking his nose or whatever. I started moving up and then it became good enough to become that captain where you picked your own teams. But for these kids that are trying to play the able bodied sports yes it's it's so much more pressure because parents and coaches the parents will be like why are you spending more time with this child that is not going to beat out my son because my son has two arms and two legs and so they've got that pressure that i had where parents were saying how can he beat my son out in right field he's got no legs you can't tell me my son's not better than a guy without legs so it's like they're going to deal with those kind of things all eyes being on them so if they did drop an infield ball oh well he only had one hand or he's playing on a limb these kids they can't let that bother them they have to have that teflon that tough tough outside shell knowing people are going to poke fun of them they're going to make fun of their appearance if they have those successes then they're really going to get picked on it's just like anybody in baseball they get good the fans will then pick on them so if teams start to notice that hey this kid he has one arm but he's a heck of a pitcher they're going to start saying stuff that you know kids shouldn't say or whatever you've got to be prepared for those kind of things and for these kids that sam has that nubability, ability they're used to be staring they're used to be stared at in their day-to-day lives you know and now they've got to deal with teammates staring at them and teammates being apprehensive i shouldn't hit him or should i not throw to him or should and it's just like we just want to be as equal as possible we just want to be athletes at that camp i taught a kid with one leg how to kick a field goal it was one of the most motivating moments of my entire life to see that like they're like well how could you kick it how could you teach a kid with one leg to kick a 24 25 yard field goal and he was being coached by a guy with no legs so like that moment right there just transcends what everybody thinks a kicker should be and a coach that sh- what a coach should be, you know it 's like those little beautiful moments that can happen. there could be a one legged kicker out there. You never know down the road that kid hes he got bit he felt that it 's like a golfer if you get that air and you get that one good shot, then seventeen crappy holes of golf is worth is is worth it when you get that one one good shot so these kids they 've already got their you know lives kind of a a little bit you know pegged down from everybody else and they're trying to get to be equal. So yes, they have to work harder, they have to take more, they have to be stronger mentally, emotionally, intellectually, all those things that parents don't want to deal with too because you know, you don't want your kids stared at. You know, I don't like the term special olympics. I think it's a bad term to use for what those athletes are. You know, they are heroes. They should be called the hero athletes. It I don't want my kid to be special. You know, I want my kid to be an athlete. And I want those athletes that have limb differences to be thought of as just athletes.
0: And I mean, first off, I was there. He kicked the field goal. I think you offered, you were almost like, I'll give anybody five bucks or something like that. And then he nails this field goal. And I look over and I'm like, I'm blown away because if anybody's ever tried to kick a field goal, First off, it's hard. I don't care how many legs or arms you have. It's difficult. And a 20-yard field goal with one leg is incredible. Like, it was really – and he did. I think he did it twice, if I remember right. It's One of my career highlights,
1: it really is, because, again, I worked with him and I worked – I think I had two or three other kids. I did offer him five bucks to make it, you know. And so two of the kids got it, and then he worked and worked, and we finally got that last one, and it was just – it was it was one of the most amazing moments of my life, you know, to this day. I see that video, and it just – it chokes me up because that's what the human body can do. That, that's, that's what we can do if just given a chance you find coaches like me and Sam and all the guys, and, and it just gives these kids opportunities that we didn't have 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago when I played, you know, those kind of things that we can get that next Shaquem Griffin, that next Jim Abbott, Pete Gray, Sam Coonert. Uh, you know, all those guys that people don't really know about.
0: Well, it's like, that's what impacted me about your speech. It's here. You know, I'm looking at like, you're talking to me and I'm like, you know, the better you get in anything that you do, the more eyes that are on you, the more they're focusing on all of your mistakes, more than your, like we were talking about earlier, more your mistakes than your successes. And so, it's so important to be better. And, and you wonder like, why is everybody trashing on me? I'm just a human. Yeah. But you're expected to be better because you are better. Like that's what you've proven and they're expecting more out of you. So you've got to come at it from that angle. It just changed. It like put my perspective on everything that I do. And I look at it like I need to be better because I should be on me because I should be better.
1: Yeah. And, and I've had the coaches, when, I, when I, I go around to these minor league baseball teams and work out with some of the major leaguers are down rehabbing and, you know, guys in A AA and A and, uh, you know, they, they all come around and they're all mesmerized by what I'm doing, and I'm just like, look, guys, I'm 53, 54 years old. This is the passion that I still have with rotator cuffs and elbows and that I'm still out here. Do you realize the gift you have? And for you guys to complain, my arm hurts or my knee hurts, or I can't do this. It's like, that's all bullshit. It's all, you know what? Take a look around you. Look at me. Like I'm still here trying to play this game and not very well anymore, but you know, you guys have a gift. I had a talent to kind of do some stuff, but you know, people look around and it's not just athletes. It's like anybody, you know, I don't want to do a test today. I don't want to study. I'm tired of my brother. It's like, you have to be better. You have to aspire and evolve. I'm not that same kid, you know, 30 years ago when I was doing drugs or whatever, I'm not that same guy, but that's been a part of my journey. Would I change it? No, but my kids are aware of the journey that I took. I don't sugarcoat what my life was like to them because they have a dad with no legs and they don't realize that I'm any different than any other dads. In fact, they're not impressed by anything that I do, you know? So, um, that puts it in perspective, you know. They're making fun of me all the time about Dave Stevens speaks and blah 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 blah, and all these kind of things, and it keeps you know my head from getting any bigger. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's all about perspective, especially from me on the inside and trying to teach or at least show people by example, as long as I can do this, but also that if there are words that impact you, and that means a lot that it did, Aaron, that like, you know, if I can affect one or two kids or one or two adults that see a different way and think things differently, then you go out and change the world. Cause I'm the old guy. I don't have a lot left, you know? <laughs>
0: well, I'm getting up there too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's that the I say this all the time, like the wanting to play sports, like you're wanting to keep going and stay active. You're racing on skateboards, you know, like watching you race on skateboards and challenging people to it. The little things that keep you as a kid keep you young.
1: Oh yeah. I mean I'm probably the oldest kid out there and, and I do embarrass my sons. You know, the things that oh dad and then but then on the other hand they'll tell me hey, there's this guy, Ricky something or other, doing weird stuff on YouTube. He's like this little shriveled up disabled guy doing putting mashed potatoes in his mouth and squirting it out and doing weird, creepy stuff. I'm like, do you want me to start dragging my butt on the ground and doing weird stuff like that? So, that you know, I embarrass them in the ways that I'm always shooting things or trying to capture it or because, you know, they don't like the attention. They don't, like, people stare all the time at us, and it's just like we're used to it but i think it probably bothers them sometimes because we know it's always going to happen we get into a mall or we go somewhere no there's a kid there's a guy in a wheelchair with no legs and they stare and they go out of their way and so they're just immune to it but you know it's i'm not going to grow legs so things aren't going to change like that i'm not going to wear artificial legs anymore like i used to that that period of time has come i'm just going to try to stay active, you know, play a little sled hockey now and then. And if I can play a little baseball and a little catch with my kids, you know, as long as I can do that, you know, till I'm hopefully 60 ish, then that's okay. Cause I know I'm not supposed to be doing the things that I'm doing, you know, at 54. So,
0: (laughs) well, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had with your kids? Like, like you said that they probably get tired of it sometimes, but I never thought of the reverse of that, of being a parent. You know, you always think about like, your adoptive parents like having to raise you and doing an unbelievable job of letting you fail as, as your adoptive parents. Cause it's got to be even harder in that situation for them. Like, Oh, they're taking you in, but they didn't coddle you at the same time. But then you don't flip it around on the other end and say, well, what's it like for Dave to be a parent?
1: Well, I think, you know, my kids had a little more freedom than most because, um, they had to learn, I kind of had to have them do a little bit more for themselves as we evolved, you know, I would have to, we lived in a two-bedroom house at the time, and I would have to get the kid out of the, you know, the thing, and we'd have to go down the stairs, and, you know, by one years old, he was learning to crawl down the stairs one time, you know, stare at a time on his butt, and we'd do those kind of things, and I'd put my kids behind me in the wheelchair, two of the kids, you know, behind me, and we'd fly through Disney with two of the kids behind me, and, Um, you know I just learned to do things a little slower and have a little more patience but I think that helped my kids as well because I had to deal with car seats and all those kind of things and I have a van that I've been using you know from you know last 10 12 years or so Um, but you have to have the patience get them all buckled make sure you know you've got all the juicy boxes and diapers and all the things that I had to do at those times and it was challenging but I'm so proud of you know I didn't I wish I'd have documented it more because it sounds like it really impresses the heck out of people. But I just, you know, when you're in the moment, you just do it. You just, you just, you know, trial and error with the kids, you know. Um, first night home with my newborn baby i was supposed to get up for a feeding and i accidentally knocked the bassinet over and the kid was so swaddled but brady rolled over onto the floor and my wife who had just given birth the night before had to call 911 because she was overacting so i'm like oh no i don't know if i'm gonna have this parenting thing but by the end of the you know by the time you have the third one you learn to deal with things you learn how to you know how am I going to put all the bottles of formula and stuff for all these guys? And you figure okay, I have a shirt. Let me put my shirt here. And I can use this. And I can put things in here. And you can then walk around, you know, and do those things. And I would get a little baby stroller, and I'd put them in there and put them, you know, through the house to get them through, you know, to get to nap time and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it was easy but it wasn't. It's just, you figure it out. It's just like a chess game. You have to anticipate and and do things differently. And, uh, but they're not scarred from it. And uh, I look back as, as a real, you know, proud accomplishment to raise them without, you know, anything but love.
0: I mean, that's, it's one of the, it's what makes you you and makes it so impressive is the fact that can't's not really a pot. Like that's not even in the vocabulary. And and like, well, that's one thing about the camp that I really enjoyed is like, I'm not looking at it from a perspective of like, you know, sympathy. I'm looking at it as like, man, can't should never, ever be in my, because these kids never say can't, you never say can't, Sam never says can't, the coaches never say can't, they actually say, dude, I got a weapon, man, I got all these weapons at my disposal. And I'm like, man, that's so true. In everything, like just looking at the negative in what I do or what anybody does, to like looking at the negative in themselves is just not the way to go. Looking at the positive, what the positive outcome could be or what you can do, and that's what impresses me. So I appreciate you coming on. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to everything where they can find all your stuff. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, you know, all your website and everything uh, that you want, but let everybody know where they can find you and find your awesome videos.
1: Well, speaking of weapons, these two guns. <laughs> but uh, they can find me at DaveStevensSpeaks.com, uh, on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Dave Stevens Speaks. You can Google Dave Stevens Speaks and see all those videos from high school and college and some of these interviews and stuff. And, uh, you know, just so, some videos to hopefully inspire you and, and show that uh, – you know, I'm not the only one out there. There are much bigger stories of accomplishment and people that have done far more. Um, I'm, I might just be the best sports story you've ever heard, that's all. You know, so uh, that, that's about it. You know, just I thank you for, for uh, having me here and uh, giving me a platform to kind of hopefully open up some people's eyes and give a different perspective.
0: I hope so, too, man. More people need to go to your page, for sure. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you to Dave for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And remember, support your local businesses and brands. Tag them in your social media. Repost their sites. And until the next episode, see ya.